Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pimmon, here on a Wednesday with a special guest today, who, a special guest who I will say has had a very big day. I have just woken up in Australia. <laughs> I have caught up with all the news, similar to our podcast last week with Locked on Kings host, Matt George. We have another host on the Locked on Podcast Network. It's Tony East of Locked on Paces. You guys have got a coach. We got a coach. Nate Bjorkgren, I'm going to pronounce it wrong a million times until I finally get it right, but I believe it's Bjorkgren, uh, is, is in the building from Toronto to Indiana. So finally, the Pacers can look forward and focus on the roster. But they, th- th- this was the perfect offseason to have a long coaching surge, right, because of how long it's going to end up being. So per- perfect time for a uh, Bucks division rival, if, that is, if they're actually rivals, to, uh, to take their time and get the right coach. Well, you will notice that I just said you have a new coach. I didn't even try and uh, say that name because I hadn't heard it said out loud before. So I appreciate you coming back right there. But the reason I have you on, Victor Oladipo is is a player that I spoke about on the podcast a couple of weeks back. Basically, we've been running through all the free agent possibilities, all the trade targets, as everyone does in the offseason. Victor Oladipo is one of those outside Guys, that I said, listen, this is potentially a target. If the Bucks are looking to go, uh, if you want to call that an all-in move, make a trade, make some changes with the roster, Oladipo uh, could be a target. Now, the thing that makes Oladipo interesting, only one year left on his contract, $21 million yep. next year. So there is a significant chance that you're going into trading significant pieces or parts for a, a guy that you might, might only get one year of. Yeah, that's the. I think for a lot of teams, that's going to be the risk they have to take. And another team that has to deal with that risk is the Pacers, right? They also only would have him for one more year if, if they opt not to trade him this offseason. So like with when they had to trade Paul George, that really does suppress the value. This is lesser so because with Paul George, he had outwardly, maybe not publicly said it, but it got reported that he wanted to go to L.A. So non-L.A. teams kind of viewed it as a rental or as – I think with Depot, some teams, maybe big market teams more so than the Bucks, but could convince themselves that they can convince Oladipo to stay in their market. So that might make some teams view him as a bit more than a rental. But I think a lot of teams around the league are going to be viewing him the way you just described in that, you know, he's had years. This, is his, this will be his first time as an unrestricted free agent. So he's had all the years to build up to where he actually wants to play. And it's the first time he'll be able to decide. So with only one year left on his deal, it's hard not to think that he could have eyes for somewhere else. Where does Oladipo sit in the minds of Pacers fans right now? Because I, <laughs> I've been fortunate enough to, to be there, to be in the arena when he plays. And the crowd, I mean, they, they love this guy. They absolutely love this guy. Obviously, he's been to two-time All-Star with the Pacers going back to 2017, 18, and 18-19. Uh, obviously didn't end well, 18, 19, but remarkable seasons he had with you guys and the crowds loved him. And now for a while, I think there's been this feeling that potentially he might head elsewhere. But where does it, where does it sit now that it looks like 
you know, even if there isn't a trade, he, he may not be there long-term as a, as a free agent signing next year anyway. Yeah, so the, the sentiment's kind of weird because he's obviously still good and, you know, if, if, he, if the Pacers are able to get him an extension or resign him, which, I mean, it's too early to talk about that kind of stuff, but you know, he, he, that's the best they can do. And he, he did lead the Pacers to two of the most fun seasons in franchise history, right? They had absolutely no expectations and they blew him out of the water because he was so good. So it's kind of hard to go from immediately beloved to, to maybe not hated, but um, thought of kind of lowly, but the, 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 some of the reporting about where he wants to end up playing and his decision to not play in the bubble immediately followed by him deciding to play in the bubble was super weird. And it's kind of gotten a, a, the, the diva coin uh, label now because of, of the way he's acted and, or maybe not acted the way he, you know, has publicly carried himself. So uh, maybe not carried in the highest graces amongst Pacers fans and in the actual games itself, outside of what he does on the court, he hasn't played well enough to merit the discussion level that he gets at this point, right? Since coming back from injury, he hasn't really been that good. And you don't, you know, it's, it's kind of much ado about a not great player. So it's, it's kind of a strange situation for Pacers fans to be in that, on one hand, at his peak, he's super good and a guy you'd want to keep and has led the franchise to some of their happiest moments of the last half decade. But on the other hand, it, it might be not a big deal to lose him at all. It's such a strange thing. And I, I, before we get to actually what he's done on the court, I, I want to ask another question about, um, I, I, again, I don't know whether attitude is, is the right word to use because Depot doesn't necessarily strike me as someone that would, that would ever cause a turmoil within a franchise. But right. it, it does feel like something has changed since, since the injuries came. Uh, this is a guy that basically has, has always been with small market franchises. And it struck me as a guy that would potentially stay with Indiana long term and be their star player and be their guy and lead them hopefully to some successful seasons. So has anything, have you felt something tangibly change with these injuries and in the postmortem of trying to make a successful return? I don't, I don't know, know anything. If, if that's, a, that's like, I have to choose my words carefully in these kind of conversations. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know, know anything. There's been some reporting about a rift between Oladipo's group and the team kind of after his injury and, just kind of picking up some pieces kind of makes me feel like either there was some misdiagnosis that happened after his injury or maybe, so he actually had a knee injury prior to the really devastating one. Uh, he actually returned against the Bucks in December of 2018. I don't know if you remember that, but, um, and then he gets hurt in January of 2019. So uh, maybe they rushed him back or something. I don't know. Uh, but there was apparently some rift there that, that tore their, their relationship a little bit, but not enough to where it was like bad. And then it's, it's repaired a little bit since then. It's just that I, I just think that there's one team in particular that he has eyes for <laughs> just given a lot of the, the factors in his life. Um, and that's not, not necessarily the Pacers. Uh, and if that rift really is something that carries over to him, then maybe the, you know, maybe there is some sort of separation there, but I don't think, yeah, he's causing like problems with the franchise or anything like that. I just think he finally has, you know, the opportunity to make his own decision and had a devastating injury that made him evaluate what he wants to do with his NBA career. So it's just, it's just a strange time for him basically as a player and former star. So basically the reason why uh, we've, we've brought you onto the show as well. Uh, yesterday, Zach Lowe, it was really, it was really nothing. And I, after I saw uh, the, 
I guess the tweets and people sort of mentioning that Zach Lowe uh, did speak about the bikes in Oladipo, it was literally one sentence, just uh, keep an eye on the bikes. <laughs> now, I think that that's a perfectly fine thing to suggest, and Zach obviously is pretty plugged in. So You're going to say, it's Zach Lowe, though, so you have to think about it, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if he's saying that, and if he's willing to say that, then clearly he's heard some stuff. So I, I think it was worthwhile digging into Vic a little bit more here. As far as his play since he's come back, I mean, this year... Pretty hard to tell. As you said, there was a weird bubble stuff going on, uh, but only 14.5 points. Uh, you know, didn't really look himself. My number one question surrounding Oladipo would be, is there a confidence from the Pacers? Have you got a sense of confidence from uh, Oladipo himself that he will be able to, to get back to his best? He is still only, uh, what is he, 28 years old right now? Yeah, he... He's 28, oh, yeah. sorry. He continues to maintain that Right, he's not quite 100% yet, which, first of all, before the bubble, that's kind of alarming, right? That's like 18 months after the injury, which that's a crazy long time to not quite be 100%. But to his credit, you could see it when he played, right? We we saw him at the All-NBA level in 2017-18 and the All-Star level in 2018-19, where he was fearless for contact, flying around on defense, decent to good pull-up shooter, right? Just a threat in in all areas of the game. That's why he was an all-star and, and an all-NBA level player and why we're having this discussion right now because that player existed. And, and his pre-bubble return, so well, I kind of want to divvy that up too. In February, right after he came back, he was just flat out bad. Like there, there's no other way to put it. He made like none percentage of his shots outside of a game winner against the Bulls. And he shied away from contact and, and couldn't really drive. He pulled it from the elbow every time and he couldn't really do anything on defense. His lateral movement wasn't right there. He kind of got a little better as, as they put him in the right lineups, but you know, never really took off. Um, and then the bubble happens, and the bubble's a little bit better, right? You're seeing a little bit more burst. He's, he's, he's not afraid of the contact as much at the rim, right? He went for some, some crazy dunks that he never went for pre-bubble. So that gave me some hope that, that he is recovering more, that he is growing into the, the confidence with his body he used to have. But his defense was never as good. His he took a lot of pull-up threes. He hit those at an okay rate, but his pull-ups were never as good. He wasn't as good of a finisher. Right? Just in general, everything that made Victor Oladipo like the badass Victor Oladipo was just two ticks lower. And if he's right, and I, we can see it, right? He's worse. If he's right that he can get to 100% or he thinks he can, then yeah, maybe he could get close to the officer level, right? I don't think anyone's going to fully recover from an injury that big at his age. But I think he can get close to an all-star level, but I – it's hard for me to think that he's not permanently damaged and, and might not ever get to that level again. It's really hard to say, but I do think there's evidence that he is still uh, growing and, and will be better than he was. Any of his stats indicate this past season next year. All right, Tony. I know as a lockdown host, you've done the Built Bar ad reads a lot. I also know as a lockdown host that you would have tried Built Bar because, I mean, there's no question. There's no question about it. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. The new and improved Built Bar is even deliciouser than it was previously. 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors and 12 original flavors there. The Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. It's covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for those on the keto diet. I certainly have a Built Bar prior to a run. About half an hour prior to a run, I'll chuck a Built Bar down and it gives me all the energy I need. Uh, Of course... The best thing about this right now for our listeners is we have got a really, really good deal. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON 
for 20% off at builtbar.com. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the shooting at the rim and the attacking the rim because I think that that's the key part with him when I watch him play. And just looking at the numbers at cleaning the glass here, 67% at the rim in 17-18, which was just that uh, just ridiculous season for Vickers. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, 67% is, is absurd. 57% in 18-19 prior to going down with the injury. And then that went all the way down to 44% in the games he did play this season. So... Uh, not only from from what I saw, which obviously is less than you, Tony, but the numbers suggest as well that there was a significant dive in, in those numbers at the rim, which is really what you would want to see climb back to usual. At, le- at least, you know, maybe not the 67%. Maybe he's not going to get back there. But certainly uh, high 50s would be a number that you'd be looking for if you're investing heavily in this guy. Yeah, definitely. That was... And part of the reason his pull-up three was so valuable is because it allowed him to just blow by dudes to the rim. Mm-hmm. So... He, he was so good at that for a year. They had the, the, the perfect roster for construction to do it as well. So, I, again, I think he'll get – I think he will get closer to the, the high 50s, which maybe low 60s, which still is less than the depot we've seen in the past. But I definitely think he will get better there just because as even as the bubble went on, like game by game, you could see him just a tiny bit more often be willing to, to just like – like he's going to get hit and fall to the floor, right? And he wouldn't do that before the bubble and in the bubble he would he would take that hit and fall to the floor like try to go over a guy or something stuff he just never did before so i think his finishing will just get better as a result it's just can he package out with all the other stuff i don't think so yeah i think a positive sign again looking at the numbers mid-range uh he was 46 percent. so it tells you the jump shot was still looking pretty good uh the three-point shot uh, a little bit slow to return but that's not really a huge surprise with it where the guys missed so much time uh, with with leg injuries there. So there's still significant signs there that suggest that he is going to be a valuable offensive player. Um, I, I think it, it probably is also important to note, and we'll probably touch on Malcolm Brogdon before we wrap this up a little, a little bit in a little bit here, but it's also important to note he was, he was uh, fitting in with a new team. This was a significantly different roster to the one that he was on uh, when he went down. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a factor as well, right? Something I, I said when that finishing was the roster was a good fit because... He had Turner around him, and he, he and Thad Young, as is, is limited as Thad Young is on offense, had decent chemistry, and uh, he was a good – Darren Collison was a great shooter for those teams. Boyan Bogdanovich was a great shooter. Mm-hmm. Like, they had a, a – t- even with – the thought was Brogdon would provide spacing, it didn't happen. But he, he actually had – it was a pretty good fit with the, the, the worst Pacers roster and less of – turned out to be less of a fit with the, with the better Pacers roster. But, again, he was adapting and learning and – I think that's part of why his early, early struggles, like early February, were so bad is because he was adapting to a new roster at that point. And as he got better uh, and at learning what his teammates were good at and what they could do for him, he naturally got better. But yeah, he, he definitely, uh, that's a factor as well. All right, let's get down to business here. Let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's be honest. We're here, we're here to talk about how or, where or, or whether or not the Bucks should even attempt to try and acquire Victor Oladipo in a trade. So uh, from what you've said, there, there should be some confidence that he would be, uh, you know, maybe not that, that all-star level player, but certainly uh, fringe all-star level, close to that uh, play that he had in 2017-18. So when, the, when you guys are discussing potential Victor Oladipo trades, and as you said, you're in a, a funny situation, I guess kind of similar to the Bucks, where the people will say, well, you should just trade him because if he's going to leave in 12 months' time, what do you do? So 
Where are you looking yeah, at? I disagree with that. I disagree with that logic just in general most of the time. But yeah, go go ahead. No, I mean, well, tr- trust me, the, the Bucks aren't actually training, trading Giannis, so <laughs> it's not something we even entertain over here. But you will have some people that will say that. So when you're looking for potential trade targets, who are you looking at for Victor Oladipo? From the Bucks specifically, you mean, or in general? Uh, just in general, like where do you, where do you think the oh. market is for him? Do you feel that there will be plenty of suitors? Yeah, it's it's a little tough. Um, because he's an expiring, I think really any team could could get in the mix, right? Like it's not like you're t- if he's bad, you're tied to him or anything like that. Oh. Um, my my favorite, I think, dream target has been Karis Levert this whole time. I think yeah. the Nets kind of make a lot of sense um, to try to really push the needle. And it's not like he'll be so much worse than Karis that they'll really bite the bullet there. Pacers could use that young guy in that deal. Although, you know, I think most people who cover the league would go, well, wait a minute. Karis was better than Vic in the bubble. Why would the Nets give up the younger, better player? I totally hear you there. Um, but he, I think he's probably the dream target. I mentioned a team that Vic probably has eyes for. That's the Miami Heat. The tr- <laughs> um, I think everybody knows that. It's one of the worst kept secrets in basketball coverage. The trouble with the Heat is, if he's not a rental, they're sure that they don't really have a good asset fit, right? They're two, they're two young things that would possibly be appealing in a giant trade are Bam and Hero. Both of those guys have way more value than Depot. And then their next asset is like Derek Jones and and Kendrick Nunn, that's not going to do it. Um, the Mavs are a team I kind of like. Maybe you get Tim Hardaway and Jalen Brunson or something like that. But truly, it's kind of hard to gauge his value. Like Buddy Heald, maybe. Um, but it, it's really tough because the Pacers, too, right? They just they have a young all-star in Sabonis, but he's 25. So young might be the wrong word. And they just got Brogdon, and they just have Warren. Uh, so they, they have, like, three more years of a team that's good and competing. So, like, trading Depot for young stuff that is unproven doesn't make any sense like potential like trading for picks and 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 pieces is is kind of hard because it kind of sets back what they just did team building wise one summer ago so finding the right balance of like youth and potential that makes the asset worth it that's why i like the karis sweet spot is kind of hard so I think the difficult thing when trying to come up with a trade package from Milwaukee, because uh, this will be no surprise to you, Tony, but a lot of the trade packages that uh, listeners of the podcast, Bucks fans on Twitter, certainly some of the ones that we've discussed are surrounding uh, Eric Bledsoe. Now, Eric Bledsoe is, uh, let, me, let me just say that I don't think that there would be enthusiasm for Indiana to pair Malcolm Brogdon back with no. Eric Bledsoe, which by the way, no. It does make me laugh a little bit. It does make me laugh a little bit. I, I, I'm just trying to picture Malcolm Brogdon in my head if he finds out the Pacers have traded for Eric Bledsoe. And he's he finally just, gets his starting job. And then yeah. Like, yeah. He's like tearing up the locker room, throwing shit around. He's, he's going to slide <laughs> back to the, to the two-guard spot. So I think Eric Bledsoe is out. So I know before we started recording, you said uh, you might have a, a, a sneaky little trade package here. So that, let's not mess around. Let's go straight well, into that. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're going to mess around. We're going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fun stuff. Unless you have a time constraint, in which case I will not do that. But. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, the reason that he, I think, would get discussed in this big trade is he's kind of required salary, right? Because, I mean, Giannis, not happening. Duh. Middleton, not happening. Duh. And Bro- Brooke Lopez, I'm guessing not happening. Duh. I mean, maybe I'm wrong there, but... Uh, yeah, I- the Brook Lopez, I'll jump in there. So Brook Lopez is someone that we've discussed a lot. Uh, a, because the salary is there. B, because by having Brook Lopez on the roster, not only does it, it, it ensures, first of all, that the Bucks are going to have a dominant defense next yep. to Giannis, but it also, it does mess with the flexibility 
uh, and the diversity of the defense a little bit. I think most Bucks fans have come to the point where we need to do something a little bit different. And when you have Brook Lopez oh. on the floor, it, it does it does make that difficult. So I'm not sure whether Lopez would be someone that you throw in a trade for one year of Oladipo, but he's certainly someone that has been discussed as, would the Bucs want to do something pretty radical? Well, if the Pacers could reroute Brooke Lopez, maybe there's something there. But right, exactly. uh, those are the only three guys that, that the salary even makes sense besides Bledsoe. So Bledsoe kind of has to be there, right? Just, just to make the pieces mesh. I don't see a real another way to do it unless the Bucks are sending like four things and the Pacers only have like three roster spots right now. So it's pretty complicated without having Bledsoe in there. And so the natural thought from the Pacers side is just like Bledsoe, Sterling Brown, DiVincenzo. But I think that the second I said the great ragu in there, all your Bucks listeners just went, oh no, we can't do that, right? Um, so a certain section, yeah, but I, I will say this. I mean, if there's any of our listeners or any Bucks fans out there that think that you you are going to acquire a potential All Star player, even if it is just for one season, and not have to give up Divincenzo or not have to give up uh, the first round pick or the future first round pick, then you're kidding yourself. That's 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 uh, the, the Pacers' pick, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want that pick back? <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Um, DiVincenzo is pretty good, though, right? And so the yeah. reason I, I wanted to, to hang on the Bucks a little bit before we got into this three-teamer that I've been sent before is <laughs> is he's he's just on the line of, like, good enough now to, to fit the bill of what I just said a second ago of if because the Pacers just kind of leaned in on their roster of talent and making the playoffs and stuff like that, what, he's just good enough where I think you could – you could sell the fan base on, we got a good young player. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's no potential involved. Like, DiVincenzo's already good. So I understand why the Bucks would be reluctant to give him up. But I, I think that that could – the problem is Bledsoe there because I don't think the Pacers want him, both because uh, they have Brogdon starting at the one. <laughs> and they can move him to the two. Like, starting them alongside each other is not a big deal. But he's also just, like, hasn't really been good in the situations the Pacers would need him to be good. So it, it's kind of a tough package to spin in just a two-team trade. All right, let's talk about our friends over at Roman now because we all know it can be awkward or embarrassing to talk about erectile dysfunction. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves, but Roman is here to get you the advice you want and the help you need with no shame. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with a doctor and take care of the situation. Just go to getroman.com slash locked on to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. A free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. And the DiVincenzo one, I mean, ultimately, you would, you would prefer that you would have Oladipo locked in for multiple seasons like you're probably going to be able to do with DiVincenzo. But uh, I will say this. I mean, if you think that DiVincenzo is going to have a peak higher than Oladipo's or he's going to be able to become a better player than Oladipo. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't really see it. I don't, think that's a, I don't think that's a crazy call to say that. So I think if you are looking to upgrade the roster of the guard position, which the Bucks pretty desperately are with the position they're in and the urgency they have, 
I, I think that you, I think the Bucks would be able to swallow that. I, I don't think they would necessarily love to do it. I think they love DiVincenzo for obvious reasons, the impact he's had. But I, I think most Bucks uh, people are aware that you know they don't have many assets. Yeah, I, I, I feel you on that. It's, it's kind of, it's just, it's kind of a tough fit, I think, and just a straight up two teamer, which is why I didn't even consider a Brook Lopez three teamer, or that Bucks fans. Uh, maybe not Bucks fans. Maybe or that the Bucks stratosphere would feel like a Lopez move could make them better. But I guess that a, a three teamer is probably necessary here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems, uh, right. seems like the most likely path. So I, I didn't even attempt a three teamer. So I'm very, very intrigued. Okay. I have heard one. Uh, let me let me scroll up here. All right, I'll I'll just start from Bucks perspective for you because we are unlocked on Bucks here. So the Bucks in this trade trade away. Uh, let me let me get all my stuff in a row. Eric Bledsoe and DJ Wilson and a first round pick. Okay. In exchange, we're, we're already we're already satisfied. We're fine. We're fine <laughs> with that package. We're, okay. we're already well, actually, okay. So I I kind of thought that this uh, was not enough giving up from the Bucks in this. <laughs> the person who sent it to me likes Eric Bledsoe much more than me. Yeah. But they the, the the Bucks give up Bledsoe, DJ Wilson, and a first. They get Depot, Ben McLemore, and Daniel House. I feel like that's a home run for the Bucks, right? In sign us up. We're in. All that's right. a great trade. So the Rockets would give up Eric Gordon, uh, PJ Tucker, and then Macklemore and House. They would get uh, Miles Turner and Jeremy Lamb, which would be huge for them. Although I feel like they are the sorest losers in this trade, so maybe something would have to be flipped around. Although I think Eric Gordon's kind of junk. And then the Pacers, who are giving up Turner and Oladipo, would get Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, Eric Bledsoe, and DJ Wilson. So that is the framework I was presented. I feel like the Bucks hit a home run and the other two teams get kind of screwed. But interesting framework, I thought. So I'll bring it up on the show. No, yeah, that's not a bad trade. I mean, I, I think um, it's a bad trade for the Pacers, but it's a great trade for the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and again, I, I will say this on Eric Bledsoe, and I've been pretty strong on this. Like, I don't think he has negative value. Like, this is a this is this is a really good play you're talking about. Unfortunately, um, he hasn't had great moments in the postseason, and to be fair, didn't really get an opportunity to this year coming off coronavirus. It was a it's a tough situation to go there and play coming off. The, and to be fair, we don't hundred percent know how he was feeling in the bubble there. But that's that's an interesting trade. Interesting trade. I, I think um, most Bucks fans are okay with the fact that Bledsoe might need to be included in a deal, the first round pick as well. I mean, it's such a strange draft. I don't think anyone has any. Uh, major visions of drafting. You can a, say bad draft. It's not. Yeah, strange. I don't think there's any crazy <laughs> visions of drafting a player at 24 uh, that will you know, change the franchise next year, which is the all-important right. season for us. I will say, TJ Warren playing the level of basketball he did in the bubble to tank that draft pick was very frustrating for Bucks fans. Uh, yeah, that, that kind of made it a lot worse for you guys, unfortunately. All right, before we, before we wrap this up, let's talk Malcolm Brogdon a little bit here. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now, <laughs> as you would be 100% aware, <sighs> Malcolm Brogdon is still an extremely sore point for a lot of Bucks fans. Uh, and for that reason, I do feel just from my Twitter feed, there was a lot of Bucks fans watching the Pacers this season just purely to watch Malcolm Brogdon. Clearly started the season <laughs> unbelievably well. He was his first two, he three He was better weeks. than Sabonis for like two months. Oh, my goodness. He, he's the way he started. He was basically a 20 and 10 player. Obviously, it tailed off. Obviously, the efficiency wasn't there. And, and ultimately, the health wasn't there as well. I mean, where, what's, what's the, the temperature check on Pacers fans and Malcolm Brogdon after one year. Well, the, the, Malcolm Brogdon was doomed, as many players are, by expectations because yeah. you know 
everybody was like 50, 40, 90. Oh my gosh. And this guy can play point guard. He's a perfect fit with Oladipo. And then it turns out when you're a primary creator, you can't shoot 50, 40, 90. And he was still good. Like you said, he like, for, and I just threw that in there too. For the first two months of the season, he was incredible. Like probably the, definitely the best Pacers player for that stretch. So he was really good, worth all the money at that point. And then the reason the Bucks let him go are part of it. And the reason Bucks fans were not upset about it was injury and then injury and then injury and then COVID. And then, you know, it just stacks up and he misses all these games. And that is why his total value to the Bucks is a little lower. Uh, they should have kept him anyway, but that's – we'll get to that. Um, is because of all those injuries and that throws off his rhythm and he's playing a little worse and this and that. And all of a sudden it just kind of fell apart. But he was really good for that stretch. And I, I, I think Pacers fans are, are pretty – I think, you know, the problem is that he, he's maybe a little bit overpaid. Not, I don't know if that's the right word. You know, he's a little under $20 million this coming season. Um, but, you know, he'll be at 22 at the end of it and uh, has definitely – the injuries have made the total value a little tough just because he only plays in like 50 games, 60 games a season. But when he does play most of the time, he's been pretty dang good. And, and a big part of the reason the Pacers just had one of their best seasons uh, since they, they made the conference finals in 2013. Absolutely. I love watching Malcolm Brogdon play. So there's certainly no uh, ill feelings here. Perhaps, you know, the Bucks could have used the asset a little bit better. I think that's the frustrating. I can't believe it. they didn't trade it. I cannot believe it. Right. And, and you know, that, that's, that's probably the frustrating part um, for Bucks fans, certainly for me anyway. Um, that they they just the whole the whole situation. First of all, not paying paying him, and then uh, not using the asset anyway. It's just a just a strange strange situation with Brogdon. But I, I think for the most part, everyone wishes him well. Or I certainly do anyway. I'll say. See, that. I but, know you didn't ask me this to have myself insert myself into into the Bucks my Bucks <laughs> shoes, but I just get flum I get flummoxed on Twitter when people are like. Oh my gosh! But the but the but they they got into the luxury tax. It's like who cares? <laughs> Don't you yeah. want the team to be good? Like who cares? Yeah. And then the fact well. they didn't trade it, it just kind of all felt like a slap in the face to Bucks fans. They were like, "All right, well, we're going to be cheap and then keep the pick." And I was like, "Really?" I, I was shocked by all that. No, we all were. I will say Wesley Matthews, an old friend of the Pacers, was Ugh. absolutely fantastic. He's a great player. Season. Fantastic this season and, and blew away all expectations. But unfortunately, when the pandemic hit. And there was three or four months of basketball. You were uh, you were going to be uh, tied to the results, and the Bucks unfortunately fell apart. But listen, we might. Uh, who knows what might happen here in the future? We might have to get back together, depending on what happens with Victor Oladipo uh, <laughs> moving forward. I, I do think the chances of the Bucks trading for him are on the low end of the scale. But as you said, Tony, if Zach Lowe's mentioning it, there must be something going on. There must be something going on, and I will never claim to be an insider. Uh, so if Zach Lowe says it, I will start to dig and figure out how it can work out. I'm glad we got to talk it through and figure it out. Yeah, Wednesday morning for, you, for me, Tuesday evening for you, I appreciate you on a, like what I said, a, a seriously busy day for you guys over there at Locked On Paces. I appreciate you taking the time, Tony. No, thanks for having me, and uh, thank you for being flexible with Australia time to, to chat. All right, we'll call it there tomorrow. Who knows? I, I keep saying this every day. You would think that an off-season like this, perhaps the news would be down a little bit, but there seems to be something happening every single day. So we will be back tomorrow. I believe Frank is going to be back with me tomorrow. So we will uh, touch base, touch base. And maybe he's got some old depot thoughts as well, but we appreciate uh, you guys all listening. Remember, any queries, thoughts, questions, hit us up at LockedOnBucks on Twitter or LockedOnBucks at gmail.com. Stay safe out there. For Tony and myself, we'll catch you guys tomorrow.